team. But unfortunately, and Mary and I have seen it um, throughout the country, where the board doesn't support the president. And consequently, also, we've seen it where the president doesn't support the board. Um, and that breaks down and that causes friction, which leads to problems between the president and, and, and the board relationship. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This is the fifth in a series of episodes dedicated to the fundamentals of community college governance. In this series, Jackie King, co-editor of the recently released Trusteeship in Community Colleges, A Guide for Effective Governance, second edition, interviews chapter authors about how to govern. In this episode, Ken Burke and Dr. Mary Spildy discuss the relationship between a board and CEO. Ken serves as the clerk of the Circuit Court and Comptroller for Pinellas County, Florida. Burke has served on the Board of Trustees of St. Petersburg College and was also elected to the Association of Community College Trustees Board of Director in 2001. From 2005 to 2007, he served as the chair of the association. Dr. Mary Spildy served as president of Lane Community College for 16 years. She was named President Emerita upon her retirement from the college in June 2017. She is a nationally respected authority on community colleges, workforce development, leadership, and sustainability. Dr. Spildy has 37 years of experience in higher education. This conversation was recorded on Zoom, so please excuse a few brief dips in audio quality. My name is Jackie King. I was a co-editor of ACCT's uh, book, Trusteeship in Community Colleges, A Guide for Effective Governance. And I am thrilled to be joined today by two of the authors uh, in that volume, Ken Burke and Mary Spildy, who uh, collaborated on a chapter about the relationship between boards and CEOs. And so we're going to just chat for a few minutes about that chapter and uh, uh, would refer you to the book itself uh, for a full, very detailed description of the relationship of the, the process of hiring um, and retaining a CEO. Um, but we'll, we'll dip our toes into that major topic uh, in our conversation today. Um, so thank you again, Ken and Mary, for doing this. And um, I'll start with a question. Uh, you described the relationship between community college boards and CEOs as both hierarchical and interdependent. And I'm wondering if you can explain what you mean by that. Yes, I'm really glad to be here and thank you for that question. Um, so yes, the relationship between the board and the president is hierarchical. The, the board has the responsibility to hire, fire and evaluate their one and only employee, the president. Um, they represent the public and they govern the college through policy and through executive directions to the president. So the president works for the board. So in that way, it is hierarchical. But in order for this to work, the relationship must also be thought of as a partnership. The board and the president are inextricably linked. They are two sides of the same coin. So there must be a collaboration and a strong partnership to serve the best interests of the, of the institution and the students. The board works with and through the president by delegating powerfully to the president. And the president in turn is an agent of the board carrying out 
that direction and making sure that policies are complied with. So it's really important that boards and the president understand the nature of that partnership. Just as an example, I've seen situations where uh, an issue comes up, let's say faculty have a very strong opinion about a strategy that the college is employing. And a board member or the board might say, hmm, well, we'll consider the faculty perspective, we'll consider the president's perspective, and then we will be the arbiter or the mediator in deciding which direction to go. That is extremely damaging to that partnership since the president is the, the, the board's only employee. So rather than that, the board should say to the president, you know, this is a valuable perspective provided by the faculty. We would like you to take that into consideration as you formulate your either decision or recommendation to the board. So that is an example of where the partnership is valued and the board doesn't separate itself from the president. That's a and the board and the CEO need to support each other in, in, in that partnership that Mary spoke of. Um, that's so important. They're on the same side. They're, they're the ones setting the, the, the policies for the college, um, the president's implementing those policies. They're, they're, they have to work as a united team. But unfortunately, and Mary and I have seen it um, throughout the country, where the board doesn't support the president. And consequently, also, we've seen it where the president doesn't support the board. Um, and that breaks down and that causes friction, which leads to problems between the president and, and, and the board relationship. They're, they have to work as a united team. But unfortunately, and Mary and I have seen it um, throughout the country, unfortunately, in isolated cases where the board doesn't support the president. And consequently, also, we've seen it where the president doesn't support the board. Um, and that breaks down and that causes friction, which leads to problems between the president and, and, and the board relationship. The board is governance, policy, direction, and monitoring. The CEO, our president's responsibility is administration, executive execution, and implementation. And I think as long as boards and, and CEOs almost keep that, that chart in front of them, and say, what is my role in this? And, and stick to those roles and respect each other's roles. Now, there's, obviously there's ways to do this and there's good behavior behind doing it and the communication policy that the, the board and the CEO have, um, the policies that they put in place for how they're gonna go about making decisions, how the president's gonna um, give information and keep the board current on the status of the college, the financial status, making sure there's no surprises, stand board politics, all those types of things. We know the good behavior. And I think boards and CEOs know the good behavior. At times though, it's a little bit tempting to delve into the other's role. Um, and boards sometimes get into the management of the college out of a natural interest in what's happening at the college and they get delved a little bit too deep I think it's important for board to remind themselves, um, I may be looking at this information, but I'm not the one deciding what goes on internally in the college. That's this president's job. At the same time, it's the board's responsibility to come up with those long-term goals and policies. What's the, what's the institution's goals about? What, where, what's the future direction? And working through the president and coming up with those uh, a strategy, the president comes up with the strategy and the board accepts it. Mary and I we just had a wonderful example of this. Um, we um, were uh, 
retreat facilitators at a very pr prominent um, community college in our country. And the board worked very well with the president and new president in establishing the goals for the college. And at the next retreat we had, the president came back and formalized the goals, make sure those were the right wording with the board, and then said, what's the strategy of implementing those goals with a timetable? Um, so I think that type of thing of each recognizing those roles is, 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 is a constant reminder that both have to do to be successful. Mary? Well, I, I think, you know, you, you said it can. And just to add to that, I think that the board and the president can't revisit the roles of each party often enough, just as a refresher. And every time there's a new board member, you have a new team. So you have to onboard um, that new member. So you have to talk about these things. And when the roles get blurred, they have to be surfaced and discussed. And even better, to be proactive, to think about what would happen or what would we do if this kind of situation came up so that you're educating each other about how to address situations before they actually happen. And then lastly, I would just say, the president has to realize that, that he or she must invest in time with the board. It's probably 20 to 30% of the job is making sure that the board has all the information that they need to make informed decisions. And um, sometimes people wonder, well, why would the president spend much that much time with the board? They're the governing board and they really need to be able to um, be comfortable that the decisions that they're making are the right decisions for the institution. That's great, that's super helpful. Thank you both. Um, you devote significant attention in your chapter to the process of hiring and onboarding a new CEO. And this is likely to be a, a major preoccupation of boards as we emerge from the pandemic. We know that, excuse me, <coughs> that many college presidents have chosen to defer any career changes during the pandemic so they could maintain that consistency at their college. But once the crisis has passed, we can expect probably a, a pretty significant uh, moment of turnover in college presidents. And we're already starting to see some of those announcements um, coming out. So uh, what do you think the primary challenges are of finding and retaining talented and, and well-qualified college presidents? So um, in terms of the challenges of um, finding um, presidents, you know, I think we all know that these jobs are 24 seven, right? And they are increasingly complex. When I think over the 16 years from 2001 to 2017, when I was a president, um, when I look back at some of the difficult things I had to do in my first year around the budget, as time went on, that looked incredibly easy compared with the many challenges that I think presidents are facing. And even more now with, with the current situation of all the pandemics of racism and, and COVID that are going on in our country. Um, and the average tenure of community college presidents is about 3.8 years. Um, and then there are increasing votes of no confidence. So when, you, when people are observing or discerning whether they want to be a president, then these are barriers um, to whether they make the decision to uh, apply to be a president or not. 
I think a second thing is the pipeline. Um, the pipelines are leaky and we need to broaden our ideas about what the, the competencies and capacities are that are needed by the president. Um, we're very traditional in the way we look at putting out those jobs and job announcements. You, know, you need to have been a faculty member. You need to have been a, a provost or a chief academic officer. Um, is it helpful to have done those things? Of course it is, but we need to open the funnel to broaden um, the set of qualifications that actually reflect what a president does. Um, and recognizing that there are things that are very important in being a president, emotional intelligence, resilience, nurturing relationships, developing strategy, being an architect, not a builder. I mean, there those kind of mindsets about recruiting presidents um, that need to be changed if we really want the kind of talent that we need in these jobs. Um, the other piece is um, around retention. And uh, so once you get your president, what do you do to keep him or her? So um, require, uh, recognizing, first of all, that partnership and the commitment that each party must make uh, to the partnership. The board clearly and powerfully delegating within their policy framework to the president. So the president knows, as Ken mentioned earlier, what the priorities are, what the metrics are, and how he or she is going to be evaluated. So it's all about clarity about the role, clarity about the priorities, clarity about how the president is going to be evaluated, and then supporting the president. Um, I often tell new presidents, you are never loved more than the day you are hired. So too often, board members say, go forth and transform this place. And then they step away. And that's okay until the first complaint shows up at a board meeting. So instead of doing that, jointly developing clear expectations and priorities for the president, not the how, that's the president's job, but the what. And then let the president and the team develop the met metrics and monitoring mechanisms mechanisms, approve the plan publicly. So everyone, board members, president, college, know what's supposed to be done and hold each other accountable to that work. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't change the plan because things happen and we saw that last year. But when things have to change, there's an explicit discussion about it and an explicit board de uh, decision about changing the priorities for the president. So again, back to clarity about the word uh, work ahead. Um, in the midst of the transformations that our colleges must be involved in to better serve our students, particularly first generation and students of color, the board and the president must work together on this. If the board gets wobbly in the midst of a transformation that can undermine the president, can stop that important work and before you know it, the president has moved on and they're back to square one and they have to start all over again. The research is showing that the colleges that have made the most transformative shifts, their presidents have been there for eight to 10 years. So when you think about that 3.8 average tenure of a president, the work is not getting done. And so the recruitment and then retention of the presidents is, is a very important piece of this puzzle. Absolutely. 
Do you advise uh, that a board uh, invest in a coach, in particular if they're hiring somebody into their first presidency? Um, yes, we do. Um, we believe that uh, if boards can actually put that in the president's contract, that so there's no stigma attached to it. It's not that you're deficient. It's just that in order for you to be the best president you can be, you're going to need help. These jobs are lonely. There are some things you can't discuss with your team. There are some things in terms of how you're feeling as a president you don't want to disclose to your bosses. Um, so having a third party independent uh, outsider who can be a thought partner with the president is a great way to support the president. Fantastic. Let me, let me just say something to buttress what, what Mary is saying, because, you know, when you go through a presidential search, it is so encumbering. I mean, the communities involved, the media in your areas involved, the faculty is all looking to the board. The board is, is, is spending hours of time with the consultants and hiring a new CEO. And what Mary said is absolutely true. Oftentimes, and it, 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 it doesn't lead to a success. They hire the president and they said, our job is done. We've hired the president. Um, now we all can take a break. Um, and really, I think that's why there's been this, these problems with presidencies not lasting long, failed um, presidencies in the first or second year, because we take that break. You can't take that break. You really have to then take the next step to see, are we on the same page? Because when you're interviewing a president, you're, you're, you want them to be all things to all people. And then you realize that the president has only uh, 24 hours in a day too, just like everyone else. And so you have to, basically the board has to get together with the CEO and decide what are the real priorities of the college and what order are they in? And where do we want that CEO to be spending the time? And then how are we gonna monitor to make sure there is success? And that's where, uh, Mary and I have observed a better effort needs to be part across the country right after hiring of a CEO to ensure success, to make sure both are on the same page. I would just add one more barrier, uh, Jackie, um, to whether the pipeline is uh, sufficient to, to meet the need uh, for, for new presidents. I think presidents, and I was guilty of this as well, speak too frequently about the challenges of the job and how hard it is. And I think we have to reframe that. I mean, I loved my 16 years as a president. Was it hard? Yes, it was. But I wouldn't have traded it for every any other job in the institution. And I don't think we say that often enough. We, we don't let future presidents know um, what a privilege, what an honor, what a great gig being a president is. And I think if we, if we were to talk more about the, the great things about being a president, the difference that you can make in an institution, uh, maybe it would call people uh, to think about stepping into that role. You know, you've talked about the fact that uh, the, the position announcements often ask for a lot of qualifications. They, they, they sometimes are not as creative about recognizing the different ways that people can demonstrate the, the types of competencies that you want in a president. Um, we know that, that there's been progress, but it's been very slow in diversifying the presidency. Uh, community colleges are better in this regard. 
than, uh, than most other types of higher ed institutions. But uh, in 2017, 64% of community college presidents were male and 80% were white. Um, so uh, I wonder if you could speak to that issue of how do we uh, diversify the presidency so that it comes at least somewhat closer to reflecting the incredible diversity of the student population in community colleges. And I wonder if there is a role for succession planning. Uh, so often in higher ed, we like to hire somebody from somewhere else. We don't seem to invest a lot in growing our own talent and thinking about succession planning in that way in the same way that, for example, corporations do. Um, so uh, Ken, I wonder if you'd offer some thoughts on those topics. Well, Jackie, you hit on it very well, um, the, the, the challenge out there. Um, as far as a board's role in this, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion has to be integrated in every part of the college. Um, and the board needs to challenge the president. And I think almost every board across the country now is challenging their president to make sure that this is a priority of the college and one of the, the big goals of the college. Um, because it has to start throughout the, the or be part of the whole, whole college process. It just can't start, we can't say, oh, we wanna be diversified at CEO without diversifying the entire pipeline that leads to the CEO. Um, and so I think that's really the board's role is, is challenging the president, asking for an implementation plan, how we're doing it, how, how that's, um, we're, we're measuring it, how we're having diversity in so many different ways throughout our organization, not just the traditional ways of looking at it. Um, and then asking, you know, asking the president to report to the board on how that is going. Um, as far as the succession management um, part of that, um, you're right, it is different than corporate America. Um, and it's important not just to pigeonhole a person in succession management. It's, 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 a, it's an attitude out there that are we the next generation of folks or the, in, in those roles, are we, are we giving them the proper support? Are we sending them to conferences? Are we doing the mentoring that takes place that, to help them pro progress? And then are we seriously considering them for the next role? Sometimes we look at internal people as not as enticing as that expert from the college across the state. Um, but, but, you know, I think that, that, that way of looking at things a little bit differently in that regard, and I think if we do that right, if you know if colleges do that right, then there will be the natural diverse candidates that a board will have for CEO when there is a vacancy. Um, it is a difficult thing as far as the succession management with the CEO role because boards are independent. Um, they, they, the president doesn't make the decision on the successor, the, the board does. Um, and what I look to as a board member is for the president to have have basically provided some quality candidates from inside, um, and 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 who 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 have who can be offered as a as a top tier candidate. But also, most boards are not just going to go with the inside person. They're going to do some type of search, and it's, it's smart probably to do that to see what's out there too across the country to bring different ideas to to the. So the succession management for CEOs, I think, a little bit different than internally in the college. But I think the board can support the effort by having visible um, reports and, and, and activity at its board meeting to emphasize how important um, this 
type of inclusion and diversity in all its ranks, from students to career for folks to professionals in, in every area uh, of the college um, that is important to the board and it's a priority of the board. Yeah, this is obviously a huge and per pervasive is issue. I mean, the, the, the lack of, of, of women and people of color is very true at the presidential level, but it also exists in other parts of our institution and we're really not reflecting the student body that is, that is showing up. Um, Higher ed has contributed to um, creating these systems of oppression and they need to take a leadership role in, in dismantling those systems. So I think colleges need to start by looking at themselves and having those hard conversations about privilege and difference and, and why it is that um, our, our staff, our faculty, our administrative leadership don't reflect um, the student body. And now, you know, students are demanding this. And so we really have to double down on having these conversations. I think um, with respect to diversity among presidents, I think that current presidents and boards um, need to invest in, set money aside for, um, looking at the pipeline, who is in that pipeline? Uh, you know, the deans and vice presidents positions, the people that are more, most likely to move into the president's positions, are they diverse enough? And if not, why not? And what can be done about that? How can uh, women and people of color be uh, mentored, supported, coached, nurtured to think about a presidency? Many of them think they don't fit, that, you know, that, that it's not a good match for them to be a president. So how can we let them know that, that their talents are needed in those presidential positions? We also have to um, work uh, to develop um, a cadre of allies, white people who um, want to go after this. You know, too often our colleagues of color, they're taxed by having to be the voice for equity and inclusion in the institution. And we need to create supports around them so that they, they're not the only voice, but we have a chorus of people who uh, want this to change. And then finally, we need to diversify our trustees in, in, in some cases. Um, so governors who are making appointments or in those cases where uh, we have elected boards, nurturing those uh, citizens of color and women who would make a huge contribution to being a trustee of a community college. So at all levels, uh, we need to be thinking about this. You know, a number of years ago, I, I uh, studied the college presidency and, and I wrote a report um, that asked the question, are there too many rungs on the ladder? Uh, because I noted that people are finishing doctorates later, getting tenure later, usually often not until their late 30s, because they've gone and had some career activity before going back to graduate school. So if somebody's 40 when they're an assistant professor, how could they touch all the rungs on the ladder, become promoted to associate, full department chair, dean, provost, and then ultimately the presidency. There's literally not enough time in many people's careers to touch all those rungs on the traditional ladder of academic leadership. I, I wonder if you'd, if you touch, and we notice that, that the college presidents are becoming as a group older. Um, 
20 years ago, about a quarter of community college presidents were age 60 or older. Now it's a little more than half, um, which seems to suggest that, that that issue of the latter really does apply. Um, I wonder if you could um, spec, you, you know so many presidents and as presidents having been in that role yourself, um, is it a concern? Is this a problem? Do we need to think differently about the the, the trajectory into the presidency? Um, uh, and why do you think that age profile has perhaps changed as much as it, as it has? So in terms of why uh, presidents are getting older, I think there are multiple reasons for that. I think there are financial reasons, there are social reasons, <clears throat> excuse me, there are emotional reasons. Um, you know, it's part of a trend. We're all living longer, we're more active. And um, therefore, you know, we feel we have the capacity to serve longer than uh, presidents in the past might have. I think the recession, uh, changes in retirement systems may have affected people's financial pictures so they're working longer. When you think back to that 3.8 years average of tenure, if people are moving from state to state, you know, they may not have built up any um, uh, being vested in their retirement system. So I think there's a whole set of financial issues. Um, presidents may want to reap the rewards of their hard work. You know, they put in a number of years to get the institution stable and, and working well. And, you know, they may want to reap the rewards of that as a president so that they can focus their efforts on some different things. And then, of course, the pipeline is a part of it. And this gets to your question about all the the trajectory to the president. And I think it's true that more boards are um, interested in, in people who may not have come through the traditional pathway, but that funnel needs to be you know, widely opened. I understand that in the four-year space that the people who are getting uh, president's jobs are more likely to be deans these days than provosts because deans do it all, right? They do the fundraising, um, they kind of run their school. Um, so in many ways, the, their jobs are more like um, the presidency than a, than a provost's job might be. Um, that hasn't happened in community colleges as, as much, partly because um, we cut out this whole middle swath of management in community colleges because of budget uh, reductions. And so those chairs are not there as much for people to walk through. So again, I think it's a, it's a reframing, really looking at the capacities and competencies needed uh, by um, the position of president, and then looking for the talent that can complete and, and enact those competencies and capacities as opposed to the job that you had. So it's, it's a different way um, of looking at it. And then I think another reason that people stay is being a president comes with a lot of prestige and, and privilege. Um, and some people may not want to give that up. Um, some presidents have become their job. That's the only thing they do. And so when they think of moving on to create space for somebody coming up behind them, that's very hard to do emotionally. And so we have to, one way we can deal with that is boards should be encouraging their president to have a life, a life beyond being a college president that can call them to the next chapter of their lives so that they can move on and create that space for, for next generation leaders to, to move up. 
Um, and then lastly, I think presidents should be developing their, their replacements, uh, not necessarily for that college, for their own college, but for the field. Um, we quickly learn that none of us are indispensable, but we need to develop the next generation and, and know that when, uh, and I think knowing when to leave is an art, not a science. Um, but again, if, if there's something calling you to that next chapter and you're not just the job, you might be more likely to move on at the right time. Ken? Jackie, let me add a point about what you mentioned about going, you know, someone hitting all the rungs before they get to the, to the top and maybe that's why it's taking longer and, and the presidents are an older group. And let me tell you from a board's perspective, um, I think boards are coming under, especially community college boards used to be fairly under the radar screen in the community um, for a long, for many decades. Um, no longer is that the case. Um, because of social media and the like, um, everyone's commenting on what boards do. And so boards, I think, are more reluctant to take a chance. Um, they're going to go with a safe pick. Oh, look, this person has met all the, 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 oh, they've been a faculty member. Oh, they've been in student services. They're at the vice president's level. They have this long history, or they're a president from another college who we're going to poach and, and bring to our college. So they're a proven record um, before we, we, we feel better about hiring that person that maybe that innovative person in their 30, late 30s, early 40s, who maybe doesn't have the long track record. Oh boy, can we take a chance on that person? And if we, and maybe we would be willing to, but we know all the critics are going to um, attack us on social media for saying this person doesn't have this qualification, this qualification, this, what is this incompetent board doing? And I, I, I don't think you can totally eliminate that factor from the pressure that's on boards to make a safe pick. And that's not always the best pick. It's a great point. It, it does lend towards uh, a conservative approach and a traditional approach uh, because the risk of a, of a failed presidency is so, is so high. Um, well, I just want to thank you both. This has been such an interesting conversation. Uh, there's so many issues to unpack. Um, I will note that uh, in the book chapter, you really go in great detail into the hiring process, provide more detail on the board relationship, on presidential retention. So I really commend it to the listeners to take a look at the chapter itself. Um, you're going to find a lot of really useful information there. And I just want to thank you both for making the time to chat with me today. It was really fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for inviting us. To purchase Trusteeship and Community Colleges, A Guide for Effective Governance, Second Edition, visit the ACCT Bookstore online. Additionally, please feel free to get in touch if you have ideas for future episodes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.